Chapter 3.28 of Personal Narrative of Travels to the Equinoctial Regions of America during the years 1799 to 1804, Volume 3, by Alexander von Humboldt. Translated by Thomasina Ross. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 3.28 Passage from the coast of Venezuela to the Havana. General view of the population of the West India Islands compared with the population of the new continent with respect to diversity of races personal liberty language and worship we sailed from nueva barcelona on the twenty fourth of november at nine o'clock in the evening and we doubled the small rocky island of borachita the night was marked by coolness which characterizes the nights of the tropics and the agreeable effect of which can only be conceived by comparing the nocturnal temperature from twenty three to twenty four degrees centigrade with the mean temperature of the day which in those latitudes is generally, even on the coast, from 28 to 29 degrees. Next day, soon after the observation of noon, we reached the meridian of the island of Tortugas. It is destitute of vegetation, and like the little islands of Coche and Cabagua, is remarkable for its small elevation above the level of the sea. In the forenoon of the 26th, we began to lose sight of the island of Margarita, and I endeavoured to verify the height of the rocky group of Macanao. It appeared under an angle of zero degrees, 16 minutes, 35 seconds, which in a distance estimated at 60 miles would give the mica slate group of Macanao the elevation of about 660 toises, a result which, in a zone where the terrestrial refractions are so unchanging, leads me to think that the island was less distant than we supposed. The dome of the Silla of Caracas, lying 62 degrees to the southwest, long fixed our attention. At those times, when the coast is not loaded with vapours, the sea must be visible at sea, without reckoning the effects of refraction, at thirty-three leagues distance. During the twenty-sixth and the three following days, the sea was covered with a bluish film which, when examined by a compound microscope, appeared formed of an innumerable quantity of filaments. We frequently find these filaments in the Gulf Stream and the Channel of Bahama, as well as near the coast of Buenos Aires. Some naturalists, are of opinion that they are vestiges of the eggs of mollusca, but they appear to be more like fragments of fusi. The phosphorescence of seawater seems, however, to be augmented by their presence, especially between 28 and 30 degrees of north latitude, which indicates an origin of some sort of animal nature. On the 27th, we slowly approached the island of Orchila. Like all the small islands in the vicinity of the fertile coast of the continent, it has never been inhabited. I found the latitude of the northern cape, 11 degrees, 51 minutes, 44 seconds, and the longitude of the eastern cape, 68 degrees, 26 minutes, 5 seconds, supposing Nueva Barcelona to be 67 degrees, 4 minutes, 48 seconds. Opposite the western cape, there is a small rock against which the waves beat turbulently. Some angles taken with the sextant gave, for the length of the island from east to west, 8.4 miles. 9,500 toises, and for the breadth scarcely three miles. The island of Orchila, which, from its name, I figured to myself as a bare rock covered with lichens, was at that period beautifully verdant. The hills of Nice were covered with grasses. It appears that the geological constitution of Orchila resembles, on a small scale, that of Margarita. It consists of two groups of rocks joined by a neck of land. It is an isthmus covered with sand, which seems to have issued from the floods by the successive lowering of the level of the sea. 
the rocks like all those which are perpendicular and insulated in the middle of the sea appear much more elevated than they really are for they scarcely exceed from eighty to ninety toises the punta rasa stretches to the northwest and is lost like a sandbank below the waters it is dangerous for navigators and so is likewise the mogote which at the distance of two miles from the western cape is surrounded by breakers on a very near examination of these rocks we saw the strata of gneiss inclined toward the northwest and crossed by thick layers of quartz the destruction of these layers has doubtless created the sands of the surrounding beach some clumps of trees shade the valleys the summits of the hills are crowned with fan-leaved palm trees probably the palma de sombrero of the llanos corypha tectorum rain is not abundant in these countries but probably some springs might be found on the island of Orchila, if sought for with the same care as in the mica-slate rocks of Punta Araya. When we recollect how many bare and rocky islands are inhabited and cultivated, between the seventeenth and twenty-sixth degrees of latitude, in the archipelago of the Lesser Antilles and Bahama Islands, we are surprised to find those islands desert which are near to the coast of Cumaná, Barcelona, and Caracas. They would long have ceased to be so, had they been under the dominion of any other government than that to which they belong. Nothing can engage men to circumscribe their industry within the narrow limits of a small island when a neighboring continent offers them greater advantages. We perceived at sunset the two points of the Roca de Afuera rising like towers in the midst of the ocean. A survey taken with the compass placed the most easterly of the points, or Roque, at zero degrees nineteen minutes west of the western cape of Orchila. The clouds continued long accumulated over that island, and showed its position from afar. The influence of a small tract of land in condensing the vapours, suspended at an elevation of eight hundred toises, is a very extraordinary phenomenon, although familiar to all mariners. From this accumulation of clouds, the position of the lowest island may be recognised at a great distance. On the twenty-ninth November, we still saw very distinctly, at sunrise, the summit of the Silla of Caracas, just rising above the horizon of the sea. At noon, everything denoted a change of weather in the direction of the north. The atmosphere suddenly cooled to 12.6 degrees, while the sea maintained a temperature of 25.6 degrees at its surface. At the moment of the observation of noon, the oscillations of the horizon, crossed by streaks, or black bands, of very variable size, produced changes of refraction from three to four degrees. The sea became rough in very calm weather, and everything announced a stormy passage between Cayman Island and Cape San Antonio. On the 30th, the wind veered suddenly to the north-northeast, and the surge rose to a considerable height. Northward, a darkish blue tint was observable on the sky. The rolling of our small vessel was violent, and we perceived amidst the dashing of the waves two seas crossing each other, one from north and the other from the north-north-east. Waterspouts were formed at the distance of a mile, and were carried rapidly from north-north-east to north-north-west. Whenever the waterspout drew near us, we felt the wind grow sensibly cooler. Towards evening, owing to the carelessness of our American cook, our deck took fire, but fortunately it was soon extinguished. On the morning of the 1st of December, the sea slowly calmed, and the breeze became steady from the northeast. On the 2nd of December, we descried Cape Beata, in a spot where we had long observed the clouds gathered together. According to the observations of Archener, which I obtained in the night, 
we were sixty-four miles distant. During the night there is a very curious optical phenomenon, which I shall not undertake to account for. At half-past midnight the wind blew feebly from the east. The thermometer rose to 23.2 degrees. The whalebone hygrometer was at 57 degrees. I had remained upon the deck to observe the culmination of some stars. The full moon was high in the heavens. Suddenly, in the direction of the moon, 45 degrees before its passage over the meridian, a great arch was formed, tinged with the prismatic colors, though not of a bright hue. The arch appeared higher than the moon. This iris band was near two degrees broad, and its summit seemed to rise nearly from eighty to eighty-five degrees above the horizon of the sea. The sky was singularly pure. There was no appearance of rain, and what struck me most was that this phenomenon, which perfectly resembled a lunar rainbow, was not in the direction opposite to the moon. The arch remained stationary, or at least appeared to do so, during eight or ten minutes, and at the moment when I tried, if it were possible, to see it by reflection in the mirror of the sextant, it began to move and descend, crossing successively the moon and Jupiter. It was twelve hours fifty-four minutes meantime, when the summit of the arch sank below the horizon. This movement of an arch, colored like the rainbow, filled with astonishment the sailors who were on watch on the deck. They alleged, as they do on the appearance of every extraordinary meteor, that it denoted wind. Monsieur Arago examined the sketch of this arch in my journal, and he is of the opinion that the image of the moon reflected in the waters could not have given a halo of such great dimensions. The rapidity of the movement is no small obstacle in the way of explanation of a phenomenon well worthy of attention. On the 3rd of December we felt some uneasiness, on account of the proximity of a small vessel, supposed to be a pirate, but which, as it drew near, we recognized to be the Balandra del Freila, the sloop of the monk. I was at a loss to conceive what so strange a denomination meant. The bark belonged to a Franciscan missionary, a rich priest, of an Indian village in the savannas, Llanos, of Barcelona, who had for several years carried on a very lucrative contraband trade with the Danish islands. Monsieur Bonpland and several passengers saw in the night at the distance of a quarter of a mile, with the wind, a small flame on the surface of the ocean. It ran in the direction of southwest and lighted up the atmosphere. No shock of earthquake was felt, and there was no change in the direction of the waves. Was it a phosphorescent gleam, produced by a great accumulation of mollusca in a state of putrefaction, or did this flame issue from the depths of the sea, as is said to have been sometimes observable in latitudes agitated by volcanoes? The latter supposition appears to me devoid of all probability. The volcanic flame can only issue from the deep when the rocky bed of the ocean is already heaved up, so that the flames and incandescent scoria escape from the swelled and creviced part without traversing the waters. At half-past ten in the morning of the 4th of December, we were in the meridian of Cape Baco, Punta Abaco, which I found in 76 degrees, 7 minutes 50 seconds, or 9 degrees, 3 minutes 2 seconds, west of Nueva Barcelona. Having attained the parallel of 17 degrees, the fear of pirates made us prefer the direct passage across the bank of Ibora, better known by the name of the Pedro Shoals. This bank occupies more than 280 square sea leagues, and its configuration strikes the eye of the geologist by its resemblance to that of Jamaica, which is in its neighborhood. It forms an island almost as large as Puerto Rico. From the 5th of December, 
the pilots believed they took successively the measurement at a distance of the island of ranas morant keys cape portland and pedro keys they may probably have been deceived in several of these distances which were taken from the masthead i have elsewhere noted these measurements not with the view of opposing them to those which have been made by able english navigators in these frequented latitudes but merely to connect in the same system of observations the points i determined in the forests of the orinoco and in the archipelago of the west indies the milky colour of the waters warned us that we were on the eastern part of the bank the centigrade thermometer which at a distance from the bank and on the surface of the sea had for several days kept at twenty seven and twenty seven point three degrees the air being at twenty one point two degrees sank suddenly to twenty five point seven degrees the weather was bad from the fourth to the sixth of december it rained fast thunder rolled at a distance and the gusts of wind from the north-northeast became more and more violent we were during some part of the night in a critical position we heard before us the noise of the breakers over which we had to pass and we could ascertain their direction by the phosphoric gleam reflected from the foam of the sea the scene resembled the raudal of garzita and other rapids which we had seen in the bed of the orinoco we succeeded in changing our course and in less than a quarter of an hour we were out of danger while we traversed the bank of the vibora from south-south-east to north-north-west i repeatedly tried to ascertain the temperature of the water on the surface of the sea the cooling was less sensible on the middle of the bank than on its edge a circumstance which we attributed to the currents that there mingled waters from different latitudes on the south of pedro keys the surface of the sea at twenty-five fathoms deep was twenty-six point four and at fifteen fathoms deep twenty-six point two degrees the temperature of the sea on the east of the bank had been twenty-six point eight degrees some american pilots affirm that among the bahama islands they often know when seated in the cabin that they are passing over sandbanks they allege that the lights are surrounded with small coloured halos and that the air exhaled from the lungs is visibly condensed the latter circumstance appears very doubtful below thirty degrees of latitude the cooling produced by the waters of the bank is not sufficiently considerable to cause this phenomenon during the time we passed on the bank of the vibora the constitution of the air was quite different from what it had been when we had quitted it the rain was circumscribed by the limits of the bank of which we could distinguish the form from afar by the mass of vapour with which it was covered on the ninth of december as we advanced toward the cayman islands the northeast wind again blew with violence Note, christopher columbus in fifteen o three named the cayman islands panascales de la tortugas on account of the sea tortoises which he saw swimming in those latitudes End of note i nevertheless obtained some altitudes of the sun at the moment when we believed ourselves though twelve miles distant in the meridian of the centre of the great cayman which is covered with cocoa trees the weather continued bad and the sea extremely rough the wind at length fell as we neared cape san antonio i found the northern extremity of the cape eighty seven degrees seventeen minutes twenty two seconds or two degrees thirty four minutes and fourteen seconds eastward of the morro of the havana this is the longitude now marked on the best charts we were at the distance of three miles from land but we were made aware of the proximity of the island of cuba by a delicious aromatic odour the sailors affirm that this odour is not perceived when they approach from cape catoche on the barren coast of mexico 
as the weather grew clearer the thermometer rose gradually in the shade to twenty-seven degrees we advanced rapidly northward carried on by a current from south-south-east the temperature of which rose at the surface of the water to twenty six point seven degrees while out of the current it was twenty four point six degrees we anchored in the port of the havana on the nineteenth of december after a passage of twenty five days in continuous bad weather End of chapter three point twenty eight